1: Did we die?
2: you
0: In the AM, Friday morning, welcome to 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, uh, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmnam.org, a whole bunch of great selections off of the Raza, de Shabbos CD, you heard uh, Mugen Avos from Shal Sheles, David Melech Yisrael from Shlaimi Dax, and Mim Komcha, done by Aish. Before that, Lachaim Tish, Volume 5. With Shabbos Shulam and Rachem and Regesh Modani opening things up as we say. Good morning. It's Friday on this October the 25th, day 21 in the month of Mar Cheshvan, the year 5774, and Dalad. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Chayei Sarah and a big hello to all of our brothers and sisters who have gone to Israel to spend Chayei Sarah with our brothers and sisters in the holy city of Hebron. Candlelighting on this era of is 541. 541 is candlelighting. It will be a quote-unquote late candlelighting today and next week once we get to November 8th. Oh, boy. Once, uh, once Election Day has passed, we're going to have a really early candlelighting time. 38 degrees, 66% humidity. Windsor West at 10, mostly sunny with a high temperature of 55. Then tonight. Mostly clear, low thirty-eight tomorrow. Mostly sunny, a high temperature fifty-six degrees. We're at seventy-seven New in Ushuaïa and Tel Aviv, seventy-five in Haifa, eighty-one degrees in a lot. Thirty-eight here on a uh, Friday morning, Eru Shabbos at J.M. in the A.M. Coming up, guests from uh, the Project Witness event that's happening this coming Monday in Brooklyn. We'll speak with um, we'll speak with them about the. Uh, Event on Monday night. Uh, Malcolm Holine will join us. Weekly update coming up at 7:40 this morning here at JM and the AM as we explore the events of this week. Or by Uden, of course, with words about Chayei coming up about 8:15. And I am told we're going to have a live report from the holy city of Hebron on of Shabbos. Who's going to do that? I don't know. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe not. Either way, we hope to present it in the final half hour of the JM and the AM week coming up. Naomi Nachman with Table for Two coming up between 9 and 10 Eastern Time on our stream at jmintheam.org. And, of course, an amazing Erev Shabbos music mix courtesy of our friends at Kedem. It all happens starting at 10 a.m. Eastern Time all the way until candle lighting. There is no better way to repair on an Erev Shabbos. Simple as that. 20 minutes before 7 o'clock. Good morning. From JM and the AM at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County, 91.9 on the FM dial, Round the world in the web, jmandtheam.org.
3: Shedhi Beliam soy, Show more Kawacho, say soy. do wa <laughs> diwa
4: Allow for
0: in the AM, it's Cats. Anila Dodi off the CD entitled Shuvu here on a Friday morning. Arab Shabbos Parsha Sara. That's right, I'm here, but in a couple of hours in the holy city of Chevron, they're going to be starting Shabbos, and it is one of the most remarkable Shabbatot. Um, I've had the opportunity to be there before, on Chayes Sara with over twenty thousand people, and uh, I am told we will have a live report. Not quite sure who's doing it, but we'll find out in the final half hour of our broadcast this morning coming up here at JM in the AM. Malcolm Homeline will join us at 7.40. We'll go through the events of this week. Lots of stuff happening, as you would suspect. Uh, Coming up on the uh, 28th of October, this coming Monday, a very important event happening in Brooklyn, New York. And we will uh, introduce you to some of the uh, people who are making it happen and explain why it's so important. That will happen in the 7 o'clock hour this morning right here at JM and the AM. Big thank you to everybody who made yesterday such an incredible day here, opening up with our visit from Joe Loda on JM and the AM, then continuing all day long with an incredible string of programming on jmintheam.org. By the way, last night, Dr. Ari Kornblit on spin class as I sat in for Michael Fragan analyzed the handwriting of both Bill de Blasio and Joe Loda, an archive worth listening to. It should be up later today, uh, last night's spin class. Check it out if you go to my website at com. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, and around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Galat Sal in the background, news from Israel coming up next. Matis will speak to Rabbi Steve Berg on Sunday morning, coming off of an amazing JM Sunday last week. With the Kalbach Tribute, Rabbi Steve Berg of the Wiesenthal Center will... Join Matas this coming Sunday morning. Uh, the program will run between 7 and 9 a.m. on the stream at jmnam.org Make sure to check it out and like the Facebook page that we call JM Sunday. Make sure to like the Facebook page that we call JM Sunday. Saturday night, Seagull, tomorrow night with Avrami starts at 10 p.m. Eastern time on the stream, jmtham.org. We get your week started real early, even on Saturday, just a couple hours after Havdullah, and we're already presenting programming on our stream with a big thank you to Avrami, make sure to be tuned in to jmnaam. dot Galitzal Israel Army Radio two p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. We say Tov from JM and the Am.
5: Galitzal ash ta'im kan karmi druven im ma shakor yachshav. Norgeia dochat b'kashat arzot abrit levatza b'shitchaet halicha shmadat haneshik akimis shel surya. Katabtenu Fischer.
1: לאחר בחינת מכלול השיקולים באופן יסודי ומעמיק הגענו למסקנה יחד עם האמריקנים, שכאן הוא אינו המקום המתאים לביצוע המהלך, כך נכתב בהודעת נורווגיה שפורסמה בצהריים. לדברי אוסלו אין ברשותה את הציוד הנדרש ואת האנשים המוקשרים לתפקיד. עוד נטען כי החוקים הקמים שם עקשים על ביצוע פעולות שליחסון פסולת כימית. כעת ילצו בוושינגטון למצוא אתרים אחרים ולפנות לממשלות נוספות. משימה לא פשוטה והתחשב בשערה אדירה באירופה בעקבות חסיפת פרשיית האזנות שביצעה הממשל האמריקני.
5: ובינתיים שלוחה הטל-קיידה בסוריה שוקלת לנסות לפגוע בכוחות הזרים המוצבים בדרום לבנון, כך על פי דיווח בעיתון הלבנוני אלחבר. הסתיימו השיבושים בהספקת החשמל, כתבתנו יעל עמית.
1: בטענת חברת החשמל, הספקת החשמל חזרה לסדרה ולפי לא נרשמות תפסקות חשמל. תקלה באחת מיחידות הייצור הביאה לשיבושים בהספקת החשמל ברחבי הארץ. אנשים נתקעו במעליות ופעילות הרמזורים בחלק מהמקומות שוב
5: שעה. בת ארבעה חודשים לבדה ברכב סגור, מצבה מוגדר קל כתבנו רמי שני מדווח שמחקירת המשטרה עולה כי התינוקת שעתה ברכב כארבעה שעות לאחר שאביה שכח כי היא נמצאת במכונית. מעצרו של אבנר טוויק ברק, החשות ברצח זוגתו נב אכן, הוא ערך בשבעה ימים. הוא אתמול בבוקר במסגד באשקלון, לאחר מצוד משטרתי, שנמשך למעלה מ-48 שעות. כתבתנו שרון פולב'ר שמע בבית המשפט את פרקליטו של ברק, העורך דין, גיא יעין צבי, מהסנגוריה הציבורית.
6: היום אנחנו הסכמנו להערכת המעצר של אבנרד ליום חמישי, על מנת שהחקירה תתקדם ועל מנת ש... צוות החקירה לא יוכל לטעון שאנחנו נופרים לקידום
5: החקירה. במסחר במטבע החוץ, הדולר נחלש היום בכי שתי עשיריות האחוז, ושארו יציג שלושה שקלים, 52 חמישים ושתיים 6 ושש עשיריות האגורה. הארו ירד בכעשירית האחוז, ומחירו ארבעה שקלים ושמונים 87 אגורות. מזג האוויר לסוף השבוע נאה ללא שינוי ניכר. אלה החדשות
3: is out. yo vey, vey vey, oy vey, vey vey, oy oy Come on now, show. Oh my
0: J.M. and the A.M. off of the compilation uh, adoringly called Around the Shabbos Table. Friday morning, Arif Shabbos on this Parshus Chaye Sarah a Report from Chevron, I am told later on. Hopefully, uh, with all the cell phone activity that I'm sure is going to be going on with tens of thousands of people in Chevron, someone will be able to connect with us and uh, tell us what's happening before 9 o'clock Eastern Time this morning. Erev Shabbos with candlelighting time at 5.41. If you think this is early, wait a couple of weeks. 5.41 is candlelighting time on this Erev Shabbos. mostly sunny with a high temperature of 55. Looks like good weather for the weekend. Big shout-out to all those at TABC, the students that didn't get a shout-out yesterday. I was told that Yosef Siegel uh, met with some criticism uh, when he walked into school yesterday for only mentioning certain names. So a special shout-out to anybody who may not have made it into the discussion yesterday morning here at JM in the AM. This coming Monday, Project Witness uh, presents Hashomer Achi Anochi, America and the Holocaust, a premiere presentation of an original documentary film produced by Project Witness, giving everybody an opportunity to learn about unknown heroes amid blatant indifference during a time of unspeakable evil. Everybody is invited to attend this coming Monday, 7.30 p.m., at the base Yakov uh, Building in Borough Park, Brooklyn. Uh, the information at the 718-WITNESS, 718-WITNESS, and there is a website, projectwitness.org. Again, that's projectwitness.org. And with this information out there, it is with great pleasure that I uh, introduce again to our uh, esteemed audience the publisher of um, the Hamodia newspaper and the person who has uh, uh, proudly founded Project Witness and has built it into an amazing entity, when it comes to uh, education in our community, and that, of course, is Mrs. Ruth Lichtenstein. Mrs. Lichtenstein, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning. Good morning. And Mrs. Lichtenstein is joined by one of our old friends, somebody who has worked long and hard to make sure that the multimedia presentation this coming Monday is going to be spectacular and will certainly hit home. And that is, of course, the CEO of Colrum Multimedia. C.J., or as we call him, Hanania Kramer. Hanania, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nachum. Good
7: morning.
0: So how many uh, days ago did Mrs. Lichtenstein ask you to start working on this program? Uh,
7: <laughs> come
8: on. This a, we can count this as...
0: <laughs> Is it weeks? Is it months? <laughs> Have you known about it actually for a while? Mrs. Lichtenstein is Lamila and Hazman. There you go. Uh, but I'm sure that uh, knowing you, it's going to end up being an amazing presentation this coming Monday night. Mrs. Lichtenstein, why put together a program? About America and the Holocaust.
4: Because this is an important project, because this is an important topic, because this is an unknown topic. Uh, not only to the younger generation, but to adults around who really don't know what happened in America in the 1930s and 40s. Even people who lived
0: in America in the 1930s and 40s do not realize to what degree the indifference was happening in Washington and in the United States in general, even uh, those who lived through it. Absolutely. Uh, now, of course, we're trying to educate a new generation, keep everybody uh, um, up to date about uh, what has happened uh, in the history of our people. And I would guess that the current generation will be shocked at what they see. They won't believe that this America that they've come to know and love in the late 20th century and early 21st century with a great relationship with Israel, with an amazing safe haven for Jews, that they behaved in this manner back in the 30s and 40s, right? It will be a shock for a lot of people.
4: I would say so, talking about uh, FDR, uh, President Roosevelt, as we know him as FDR, talking about State Department, Talking about his Jewish advisors and talking about, and this is the main point, about individuals and organizations who broke the silence, who did whatever they could, who moved ahead and tried to help their brethren in Europe. On Monday uh, at 7.30 p.m. at the Beis Yaakov
0: of Borough Park, the uh, the I guess we can call it the keynote, right? The keynote address is going to be given by Dr. Rafael Medoff, the uh, director of the David Weinman Institute for Holocaust Studies in Washington. H- his presentation is going to be for everybody who's gathered there, correct? Yes. And um, before that, there'll be opening remarks on the men's side, with uh, Rabbi Moshe Tuvia Leaf, the rabbi of the Agudas Israel of base, base Binyamin in Brooklyn, and by Mrs. Ruth Lichtenstein, director of Project Witness, um, and that is happening uh, in um, in Borough Park. The men's program will commence at 1371 Forty Sixth Street in Brooklyn, New York, and uh, that is known as the Pillar Auditorium. And the women's program will commence at 1363, 46th Street in Brooklyn. That's known as the Golden Terrace. If you look at page D5 of this week's weekly Hamodia, the one that comes out on Wednesdays, uh, the one that Mrs. Lichtenstein is busy with all through the night, Tuesday night, if you look at page D5, You will see all the information. It's right there. Do people need to make a reservation, or they literally can walk in? What's the... uh, They
4: literally can walk in. That's
0: it. Simple as that. All right, uh, Hanania Kramer. How do you put together a multimedia presentation, especially when the bulk of it has to do, I assume, with footage and with testimony about what happened in the 30s and 40s? Practice. (laughs) What
7: were you able to dig out? It was... uh, Well, Mrs. Lichtenstein was able to procure uh, a, a, a lot of very fascinating individuals I was able to interview. And uh, I don't know that I'm the best example of someone who's a, a, a history amarts. I certainly am a history on So it, everything was extremely new and fascinating to me. But it's, uh, it was tragic, you know, listening to to, to to learn about this time period. And the
0: people that you were able to interview, not that we're looking for specific names, but from what types of arenas, from what types across of backgrounds? Across
7: the spectrum, across the spectrum, from Gedele Yisrael to uh, Holocaust scholars, professionals, historians, Um, people of note, uh, relatives of uh, heroes from that time period. We were able to really put together a very, very robust kaleidoscope of personalities to uh, to paint a good picture. And uh, we understand
0: the negative side and certainly the analysis of people regarding what wasn't done. Uh, We want to be fair, though to especially the members of the Jewish community, but others as
7: well, who were helpful. Does that come out during the uh, documentary? I think we were matzliach and doing a very even-handed and um, it, we kind of took an academic approach to really trying to lay out the information and not be biased in any one direction, but understand there were people who tried, the people who maybe should have tried harder, maybe people who, who were amazing in what they did and how they stepped up. And uh, there's definitely some controversy over some of the history, and we def- and we show multiple opinions to let the audience draw their own conclusions to some extent. You're known for
0: your dramatic presentations on, I guess, what the layman would call video. What do we call it now? Multimedia? Well, you know. uh, so you're known for... Is this one that's going to in fact, you know, uh, pull the heartstrings on people, or is this more really of a historical documentary and an informational one in that way?
7: It's The subject matter is hugely dramatic. It is a very, very dramatic story, so this is a uh, certainly more of a I don't know, investigative, investigative reporting is probably not the right kind of word, but right. I am, I'm learning about a subject while this process is happening, and I hope the audience will is, are coming along for that ride. But in the meantime, it, you, know, you can't help but be drawn into this content because it is, it's, like I said, it's tragic, and it's shocking and surprising, and there's also, it, it challenges the way we look at this. As opposed to every other project I've done with Mrs. Lichtenstein about the Holocaust, this one's on the home turf. This is about how we perceived America's role during that time period, we all have a certain comfort level with America. We all feel like this was our, this is our country. And, you know, there were, not so long ago, it really, we were all these immigrants kind of watching and had limited control over the situation. And uh, I, I, you have to see the movie. It's really, really something special. How long is this presentation, by the way? It's six hours long. Not, <laughs> not it's it's a, it's a full-length film. It's an hour? Yeah. yeah. This is the real deal. This is the real thing, yeah. Uh,
0: Hanania Kramer is here, colonel Multimedia. He's responsible for what you'll see on Monday night. It's called Am I My Brother's Keeper, an original documentary film produced by Project Witness. Mrs. Lichtenstein, who is the director of Project Witness, is here and will speak uh, to the women's group on Monday before the general presentation takes place. Um, Mrs. Lichtenstein, the, uh, look, you, you have put together some amazing programs through Project Witness. Uh, I especially cite the ones that... Um, bring Holocaust survivors and the next generation together. Uh, I know that some of those programs, if not all, have attracted the youth. Do you think the youth of our community will be drawn to this? Do you think that young people in the Jewish community, we want them to be, but do you think, uh, maybe you've already heard some type of reaction out there. Do you think that they have an interest in what went on 60, 70, 80 years ago in America?
4: I hope that they will. Uh, because we are talking about home and because we are talking about America, I think that it carries a very, very strong message for all of us and for the younger one to understand what happened and to understand uh, that things, you know, might happen. And,
0: and that they can what- happen again. Um, knowing you, first of all, you, have you seen... What Hanan has already produced? Have you seen this? Uh, I would say, you so. Said. <laughs> no, I would say I, so. I have to ask that as a, <laughs> as a foundation question, Mr. Kramer. Oh, yes, okay? indeed. I apologize for entertaining <laughs> you. So my question is, I would assume, knowing you, that you have probably read... Every book on this topic, or most of them on this topic of America and the Holocaust, you've probably seen the majority of documentaries, if in fact there is a a voluminous collection of documentaries on this topic. Where does this rank? Is there a lot of new information? Is it simply put together because it's not really new information, but it's the only way that our community is going to go and see it? What was the story with this?
4: So the story is that there are definitely books and there are definitely Different videos that are talking about uh, different individuals, organizations, uh, what they have done, you know, during the Holocaust. I would say uh, that uh, what we did here is, while still giving the credit to people that were recognized in the past, uh, we put emphasis on individuals and organizations who were not recognized until now.
0: Right. It's not all negative, right? People shouldn't think that. Absolutely not. There's a lot of good, positive, especially as it relates to our community. There's a lot to be proud of, but there were a lot of roadblocks in the way. There is a lot to be proud of and a lot to learn from. Um, So it sounds like this is the type of film. That belongs in I don't know the United States Holocaust Museum, the Museum of Jewish Heritage downtown. The I mean, the Academy Awards. Yeah, the Academy Awards with Chana Kramer. <laughs> I mean, hello. Know, accepting it. Would you Would you bring other people up there? or You're accepting <laughs> it on your own. I mean, what's
4: the story? But uh, am I right that it belongs in, in places like that? Definitely belongs in you know the right places, and it's it Hashem it will.
0: Um. Am I My Brother's Keeper? Everyone is encouraged to attend. It's an original documentary film produced by Project Witness. If Hanania Kramer's behind it, and he is, I would assume that everyone will be riveted for the hour or so of the film. It's happening on Monday, 7.30 p.m. at the base Yaakov of Borough Park. Uh, the men's program will be um, hosted by Rabbi Avram Y. Heschel with opening remarks by Rabbi Moshe Leaf. on the women's side, Mrs. Judy Kranzler, the widow of the late Dr. David Kranzler, and Mrs. Ruth Lichtenstein, Director of Project Witness. And then, uh, collectively, everybody will hear from Dr. Raphael Medoff, the Director of the Wyman Institute for Holocaust Studies in Washington, and, of course, will view the documentary film produced by Project Witness on the topic of Hashomer, Achi, Anochi, America, and the Holocaust. There is a suggested donation information. You contact Project Witness on the web at projectwitness.org or dial 718-WITNESS. That's 718 948 Six three seven seven again. That's seven one eight nine four eight six three seven seven. Anything else we need to know? Are we ready for Monday night?
4: <laughs> oh yes,
0: we're anticipating a big crowd. Emir Hashem. Hashem, is right, and I hope the young, I hope the older people are able to uh, convey to the young people how important it is to be there and how important it is to uh, to view the the film and to be uh, inspired in one way and to really be forewarned uh, in another way about uh, what this world is all about. Uh, do you continue to hear from Holocaust survivors and their children about your work? Absolutely. Are they appreciating the work of Project Absolutely. Witness? And what other projects do we have down the road? Because you're always planning events, right? You're always planning different things. You know. A lot of, th- lot of things? We will share it. She does not it's stop. you listeners. She doesn't stop doesn't on will does stop. And uh, we should also mention, I, am I correct, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, that the book that you authored or edited or whatever term you want to use is now being used in different schools in our community to educate our children about the Holocaust.
4: Yes, it's true.
0: And it's essentially being used in what grades? Is it high school? Is it younger? Where's it being used? High school.
4: Um, depends, you know, on the schools, on the uh, grades that they want to use it. And it's no it's secret
0: going... that when you wrote it, you wanted it to be something that those schools would accept and bring in, and 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 appreciate and be able to use, right? I mean, that was that was one of your goals.
4: This was one of my goals, and uh, we, Baruch Hashem, are reaching out to different communities, different schools from coast to coast, out of the United States, and uh, we keep going. We are preparing now uh, a book for middle school, and...
0: There will be a book for younger kids?
7: Yes. I gotta say, I, I, you know, Baruch Hashem, I travel the country to different schools doing video production and... Witness to History. That's the name, Witness to History. Witness to History is there, and it's a pride point for the schools that use it. This coming Monday, join Project Witness
0: in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, The film uh, Am I My Brother's Keeper, a documentary film produced by Project Witness. Learn about the unknown heroes and blatant indifference during a time of unspeakable evil. Uh, information seven one eight witness project witness Mrs. Lichtenstein, continue your amazing work on behalf of the Jewish people, and thank you for being here this morning. Thank you, Hanania Kramer. Conti- <laughs> You're waiting for another compliment. No, please <laughs> continue your amazing work on behalf of everybody. Thank and, you, nachem. and good luck in trying to establish a final product for Monday night. Because I know in your, I, I know in your industry. Nah, I, kidding. We were done six months ago. We were, we're really. Like, it was already in the can, as they said. Not say. at all. But you, it, haven't even, <laughs> you haven't even thought about this project for the last half a year. It's. Amazing. I'm glad I brought you in to refresh you about it. Baruch Hashem. <laughs> Hanania Kramer of Kohra Multimedia, Mrs. Lichtenstein, Mrs. Ruth Lichtenstein is of course publisher of Hamodia and the director of Project Witness on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, right here at JM in the AM. Mm.
6: More sheer, sheer, she,
0: A.M. in the A.M., that's the uh, Malchuscha done by Diaspora, the uh, time they reunited about 20 years ago. Remember that? Oh, my gosh, what an amazing reunion that was. They will be together at the uh, Haas concert. It's not really a Diaspora reunion because uh, there are a lot of other acts there that night, so that's not the focus of the event, but for me, it's been the focus of the event so far. (laughs) Nothing against the other amazing acts that are going to appear that night. I just can't wait to see Diaspora on stage. On January the 12th, Friday morning broadcast, J.M. and the A.M. on this October the 25th, the 21st of Mar Cheshvan. It's Arab Shabbos, Parshas, Chayi Sara. How I wish I was in Chevron. Uh, we'll try to get a report from Chevron about an hour from now. See what's happening there as we get closer and closer to Shabbos. Candle lighting at 541, pretty early. But if you want to see early, wait a couple of weeks and it'll really be early. Mostly sunny with a high temperature of 55. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to highly recommend to our, uh, to their readers our jmnam.org web stream, which continues to have amazing programming. If you're looking for great articles, analysis, and news regarding Israel and the Jewish world, turn to our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. And don't forget our schedule here at jmnam.org. Naomi Nachman with a brand-new edition of Table for Two coming up at uh, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, followed by an incredible stream of Erev Shabbos selections, which is uh, probably the best way, absolute best way, to prepare on an Erev Shabbos. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us. For the weekly update, Mr. Homeline, welcome back to Jam in the AM.
9: Uh, good morning to you.
0: It was just revealed to me, because we spent a good part in the last half hour speaking to Mrs. Ruth Lichtenstein and Hanania Kramer, it was just revealed to me that you have a role in the documentary they're showing on a Monday night in Brooklyn, Am I My Brother's Keeper, an original documentary film which talks about America and the Holocaust, Um, uh, just a word from you on this topic, Uh, we we don't realize, especially those of us who took a strong interest in this topic years ago, we don't realize how the next generation really has no clue about what was going on in this country during the Holocaust.
9: If you would read the studies, you'd be shocked. I I mean, I hope I'm up for an Academy Award for my role in this film, (laughs) but uh, short of that, uh, first of all, what Mrs. Lichtenstein has done in this, in the book that she wrote, everything is just really amazing. And I think that this is so critical, and I hope every family will take their children and to learn the lessons of what American Jewry didn't, didn't do, what they could and couldn't do, and what happened. You know, when, when they did a study in Europe recently, and they asked the young people what Auschwitz was, including here in the United States, the majority didn't know. Wow. And this is, and unfortunately, I think if you ask our kids, they may know what Auschwitz is. They do not know the details of what really happened.
0: Yeah, no question about it. And uh, uh, that, by the way, folks, again, it's Monday night in Brooklyn, New York. You can call 718 Witness. And um, the film, uh, I'm sure, will hit uh, uh, close to home. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny the comparison yesterday. Uh, Joe Lodo was here. We're talking about how kids like mine have no clue what New York City was like more than 20 years ago. And they think it's like a, a science fiction horror story when they hear people like me talk about it. So, too, our kids are so comfortable, thank God, here in the United States. They don't have a clue that there was a time in history where the U.S. and, uh, you know, and, and its outreach to Jews around the world was not up to snuff, so to speak. So there's a lot of education that has to go on
9: made and it was one of the messages from last last week's dinner when people have commented to me that they have nobody realized and as you saw these really this condensed history in the in the 2 and 3 minute segments that were shown um, about how much we've done how much progress we have made how much older we got but <laughs> more importantly this is something that you can't take for granted and if we don't train our next generation to be involved to be to to have a, to understand how to to work within the system and how to use it to the benefit of everyone. Because when I believe that what we do really benefits and, and is consistent with American interest and American democracy, which demands one thing of us, and that's involvement, or else don't complain about the results.
0: Right. If you don't care, don't come crying to me. Um, All right, lots of news this week, uh, like every week it seems. Uh, I'll I'll start with a strange one, and that's the earthquakes in Israel. I mean, are you getting updates in terms of how uh, uh, the Israeli government is dealing with the emergency situations and the infrastructure problems as more and more of these minor earthquakes are taking place in the state of Israel?
9: Well, Israel, it does have a fault, minor and a major fault, uh, along the rift, the uh, uh, Syria-Africa rift, and... um, There are uh, reports that perhaps uh, in history, Jerusalem was was affected by a a serious earthquake, as were many places in the world. Uh, So I don't think there's anything imminent for people to worry about, but the difference is that Israel convened immediately uh, emergency services and cabinet members to address the issue and to take steps to assure that that if, God forbid, there was a more serious earthquake, that they will be prepared
0: and you know that eventually now israeli scientists will become world-renowned for their knowledge of earthquakes
9: <laughs> and, and how to prevent them they'll find an inoculation <laughs>
0: exactly
9: at
0: it's unbelievable there's so much to be proud of by the way I apologize to those who resent when I give kudos to the New York Times but you have to admit this headline was a good one In quake-prone Israel, public is advised to take cover, this time outside. (laughs) Which I thought was really clever, you know what I mean?
9: I I agree with those who criticize (laughs) you.
0: Thanks a lot. You didn't have my back on that one, huh? The mayor of Jerusalem is going to continue to be near Barakat. Any major winners and or losers from this week's election?
9: Well, I think near Barakat is probably the, the biggest winner, even though his percentage was pretty small. But the fact is that it was a hotly contested race, although less than half the people uh showed up to vote, which also says something, and Arab population largely boycotted the election and then they, they complain again when you're not in it you can't complain about the results. Right. The um, uh although the highest turnout by the way were in Israeli Arab communities mm. where it was eighty percentile, eighty six, eighty five. Um the, the uh Tel Aviv was expected that Ron Hunday would win and in Ranana, they brought back uh, a former mayor who had served, I think, four terms before he went to the Jewish agency. So there are a lot of interesting results, and there's still, I think, the championship hotly contested where they're claiming irregularities.
0: So does anything about the Jerusalem election, I don't know, change the political landscape in terms of uh, what, what's, what's called the ultra-Orthodox community and its relationship with, the, with other residents of the city, or it's essentially the same at this point?
9: Uh, I would say it's essentially the same. People... Will say, well, Shas did not do as well. Shas claims a victory. Derry now is reorganizing Shas uh, in a nationwide effort where he's dividing the country into sectors and telling people to call in with whatever complaints they have about Shas. Uh, I think the Shas Lieberman marriage may be over. But um, uh, so all the predictions, which w- which really varied over over the last uh, couple of days, uh, it's it's really unpredictable. It depends on the turnout and depends who votes. And in this case, uh, I think even given the heavier turnout in some Haredi areas, uh, the outcome, therefore, was somewhat surprising. It was touch and go until well into the night, into the morning.
0: There are some communities where certain people have actually uh, stated that they would move out if certain groups won the election. Uh, I mean, we know that certain communities, I'm not going to name any names, I don't know enough about it, and I'm certainly not there, Uh, uh, certain communities have, you know, there there have been rifts, there have been uh, divides, within communities. Um, is it possible now that because of the leadership that's been elected in certain areas, you'll have a, an even deeper rift, uh, even more of a split where people will just say, I've had it, I'm getting out of here?
9: Well, that's not the solution to problems is to pick up and leave. but It has been done. and It was true when there were other tensions in communities uh, because they have options. <clears throat> but um, I, I don't know that In the particular circumstances, I think to which you're referring, what the outcome will be. But certainly, the elections, the the local elections, tend to arouse much deeper passions. And uh, the involvement of uh, Dolim and others, uh, some legitimately, some whose names are used in vain, uh, uh, has intensified it. And then, of course, the attack on Ruf Steinman, even though the guy was mentally disabled, it seems, and uh, unstable. it's a wake-up call about some of the intensity of the, of, of the comments that are made in the attacks.
0: Well, I was going to ask you about that first of all, what have you heard about Riff Steinman's condition and uh, I guess if uh, if the uh, perpetrator you know is, is somebody suffering from mental illness and I guess we could stop the conversation right there if it was politically motivated or somebody taking quote unquote revenge you know in, in a in a sane state of affairs, I guess it'd be a lot more to talk about
9: yeah so I mean the first reports that I've seen is that it was mentally unstable anybody who knows Ruf Steinman i mean I visited with him he's an amazing amazing person aside from his godless and Torah and whatever uh, uh his involvement he he went out not only pictured voting, but he he uh, was out in different communities uh, uh, at his age it's he's very frail he hardly eats, and for him to be subjected to uh, the kind of, of assault where he was uh, brutally shaken and uh, uh, and, and is feeling now the uh, aftermath in, uh, of it uh, physically and doctors have examined him. They're not sure what damage was done, but I guess we'll know in time, uh, but it's just a horrific thing even to think of.
0: Aside from the, the tension that is obvious, as you just said, uh, if people are resorting to this type of thing or if it comes to that, then... Obviously, it's a very tense situation. Is there anything else that uh, that we could learn from this episode, anything else that we need to know about the situation, or is it simply that, that it's just such, that there are such extremes that are so, you know, hot under the collar about these issues that some people unfortunately will resort to these types of acts?
9: It's not about political activism. It's not about having intense feelings if it's over issues. When it gets over personalities and when it devolves it, it into the hands of extremists or um, becomes so uh, divisive then it, the issues are lost number one and number two we create a climate that is intolerable and and the leadership now in between the elections uh, has to take steps to try and contain it and to, to deal with it and that means in every community it's not for the federal government necessarily i mean i don't know you can't legislate this you have to do it in a way that that gets the message out about what the limits are.
0: No question about that. All right. Um, We see uh, again that the United States um, has been accused. We see uh, what France uh, did this week, in addition to what they said this week. We see uh, the reaction of Angela Merkel uh, in regard to the um, possibility that United States intelligence uh, actually has her uh, cell phone bugged. Uh, Is the United States ever going to be able to get over this reputation that has emerged from the Snowden affair, that they are spying on everybody, including their
9: friends around the world. I think this is very damaging. I think it's going to have long-term consequences. I think it it's, uh, feeds on uh, suspicions and, and tensions that have been building. Uh, from what I understand, Merkel's reaction was extremely strong. I don't know if, it, if it's accurate, but I was told that uh, she said you had a choice between being the leader of the free world or of the Stasi. Remember the East German police. She said I grew up under them. And you chose their way. Wow. I, I don't know that it's true. I know that she was extremely angry. Now they say that 35 heads of state may have been personally surveilled, uh, which would, of course, damage our relationships across the board. There have been many protests and calls uh, from heads of state to to the White House about it. Uh, I think we have a uh, a lot of explaining. Uh, And I think we have to understand that sometimes it's necessary. This is the surveillance, as when the complaints against the NYPD for its surveillance or against other law enforcement, (coughs) you're dealing in asymmetric wars. You're dealing with groups that do not fight by normal standards. The, The interception of phone calls or things are sometimes necessary, but they have to be with some limit. You don't... Take the phone calls of uh, intercept the phone calls of uh, of the chancellor of Germany or the president of France. They're not engaged in terrorist activities. We may want to know what they're thinking, but you know we could read a newspaper. <laughs> so I think that this this is a very serious development, and it, it just exacerbates the standing in the United States. What we saw Saudi Arabia do this week, I think, fits into that. Where where just you know one assault after another that seems to portray the United States as as losing friends and weakening our international posture.
0: Yeah, no question. By the way, according to that article, I believe it was in The Guardian, more than 70 million phone conversations were listened to by the NSA in one month. That's uh, from the... um uh, the leaked NSA,
9: but that wasn't just on Merkel's phone. No, no, He makes a lot of calls, not that.
0: But, but what I was going <laughs> to say was, what I was going to say was, boy, if if all those were potential terrorists, we're really we're really in for it because that's quite a large number. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored. WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at ninety-one point nine on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jm and the am dot Saraf Shabbos, Parshas, Sarah. Both Malcolm and I would rather be in Chevron. We'll hopefully have a report from Chevron later on. By the way, you know how you keep telling us that the Iranian president is the same as his predecessor, Ahmadinejad? I read an article this morning, Malcolm, uh, where it says that the brand-new president of Iran has suggested that the country's famed Death to America slogan be banned as the government has begun taking steps to reestablish relations with the West so you see that Hassan Rouhani is not as bad as you thought he's getting rid of the death to America
9: slogan and he participated in an event uh, a week before the election in which they had missiles that said death to the United States death to Israel in fact there is a major debate about legislating that every rally public gathering has to have signs that say death to the United States wow or or as they say when we translate it we say down with the United States but the, the actual translation is death to the United States. This is the debate in Iran. This is the country with which we are now talking and thinking that somehow this is, uh, you know, that we're going to be able to change them. We're going to be able to, to moderate them. And the fact is that if you look at the record just of this last week of, of uh, the involvement of uh, Rouhani, and he, there's another book, by the way, coming out about his uh, tenure, which just, again, reinforces how he, he boasts of, of using the time, the uh, timeout, uh, the suspension during the 2003 of, of enrichment to build up the system. And he said that the uh, Iran's agreement to suspend enabled it to make more progress on the technology and saying if it had resigned, it would not have been able to get make the technological pro- uh, progress because it wouldn't have gotten the material and, and uh, in, information from the European Union that it got by, as a result of the agreements. And he said it, that any suspension of uranium enrichment shouldn't last long. They also announced yesterday that they're going to start uh, uranium dioxide uh, processes in, in the next three months, which is an additional component, which they say they need for the Boucher nuclear reactor. But it's, it's further evidence that they're not stepping back. Uh, we expect the expert talks next week, and then they're going to be P5 plus 1, and then another round of expert talks this is exactly what they want to do. They want to delay, delay, delay. In the meantime, there's talk that the United States will release 12 billion dollars in, in held-up funds, and then the Europeans will do 35 billion. Uh, we hold about 50 billion altogether. Uh, and yesterday, um, members of the, the staffs of key members of Congress were called to the White House where they were told to hold off that the administration doesn't want the next round of sanctions. Many members, including Chuck Schumer and others have come out. Uh, for the next round of of, um, of sanctions, uh,
0: but they thought that was the group that said that it would hurt Israel. If the um, am I confusing two different stories? Different stories. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry.
9: So So what their argument is that if you suspend, it hurts Rouhani's ability to negotiate. That the truth is the reverse. That it is the pressure on Rouhani and on the Syrian economy that gives him the leeway to come into the negotiations because people are hurting him because they know that there's no way out you release you know tens of billions of dollars it takes the pressure off of them and and the russians yesterday revealed that they that the uh, iran and the west may agree to five percent enrichment and let me just take one second why this is no longer significant if they say they won't enrich to let's say to 20 percent because with the new centrifuges they have in place you don't need to go to 20 percent you can go from five percent. The process can go directly. Used to have to go in sages. This goes much faster directly. And the estimates now that the uh, uh, top experts, David Albright, others came out with yesterday is that they could build a bomb in a month. In a month. And the the uh, White House, as I said, is pushing to hold up sanctions. We should be pushing to to expedite the, the sanctions to increase the pressure uh, on them. And the. Uh, Russia and Iran are talking about expanding military cooperation. So, so, we know where the Russians are at and how they exploit every um, every uh, situation. And the the idea that we do anything before, I know Ben Rhodes from the National Security Council said that there would be no front-loaded uh, concessions. That we would only do it at the, you know uh, after there's real progress and real signs. I know that Bibi and Kerry discussed this. You know, they had a seven-hour meeting in in Italy. About the peace negotiations and about Iran. Uh, but there clearly are still differences. And as Stein had said, it's not a time to give Iran extra oxygen. We see what they're doing, we see what, what's happening with Assad, that the radicals, the extremes, are, are, are gaining, that Hamas and, and the Palestinian Authority are now trying to get back in Abbas's good grace. They see him as emerging out of this as a, as a, a winner.
0: All right. Yeah, so let me straighten this out. So the Schumer reaction was was what? That was a reaction to a sanctions, potential sanctions vote in the Congress?
9: No, this is this is about the support for the new sanctions bill. Uh, They're directly it against is the... very critical, but it's really through Johnson uh, because this goes through the banking committee, not through the foreign affairs committee.
0: And that's directly against Iran?
9: This is... Against Iran.
0: And I'm referring to this story, a bipartisan group of 50 senators warned U.S. President Obama they will not ratify the U.N. arms trade treaty signed last month by John Kerry. Uh, the lawmakers signed on to a letter this week that expressed concern that ratifying the treaty could limit America's ability to provide military aid to Israel. Mr. Holmline, true or false?
9: I mean, there are people who have said it. Uh, um... Anything can be interpreted whichever way they want to try and put pressure. I don't think the United States has any interest in signing anything that limits their ability to help Israel. Unfortunately, the sequestration of cuts in funding may cut aid to Israel significantly you know another ten percent or so this year. but um I don't think that this was certainly certainly was not intended in that way
0: and um in Israel, Ambassador Gould reassured Israelis that uh Britain would not. Uh, compromise on Israel's security. This was in a speech he delivered on Thursday. This is in reaction to the speculation that Britain and France are ready to cave in a bit on sanctions to Iran?
9: Right, and and the remarks of the Prime Minister directed both at the French and British. He's been calling them. but uh, the, And the reason why people are concerned is, is something that a not a former member of Knesset told about uh, uh, something she heard from the former Foreign Secretary Jack Straw of of uh, of the United Kingdom, who was for a long time the the uh, foreign minister, essentially the equivalent of being the foreign minister, and he launched a vicious attack at a conference, and he attacked Jewish organizations, Aars, APAC and others, that these are used to get uh, unlimited funds to control and divert American policy, and and that Germany's obsession with defending Israel were the problems and uh, underlying the problems of in the Middle East. And this at a European Monitoring Center on, on Racism and Xenophobia working group, where, which defines these kind of comments as, uh, uh, as where they attack Jews as a collective. This is a former foreign minister of not long ago mm-hmm. of, the Europe, of of England. So, you know, the protestations are not always matched by the facts on the ground. And the, we see that the West is just chomping at the bit, to try and relieve uh, uh, these tensions,
0: but, it, it, but what's remarkable to me is that a week or two ago was different. It seemed like it seemed like they had real, you know, they had real teeth in the matter, and they weren't going to budge on this. And now all of us—they this...
9: well, haven't budged yet. So I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But there the, were the reports and the word that's out in, in a lot of circles, and that has a tendency to, to feed on itself, to, to build on it. But well, why
0: is this days at a time? The peaks and valleys of the attitude toward Iran, like, well, it just, it, it, it's it's ever changing. It doesn't make any sense.
9: Well, a lot of it has to do with the reporting on it, uh, but also the signals that are being sent. One of the reasons Saudi Arabia did what it did is, or primary reason is because they see the the lack of action by the UN, by the West, the lack of resolve dealing with uh, dealing with Iran, and and it's not just there. The nuclear program, it's the, the execution since Rouhani took power of 250 people, is almost 700 altogether. I mean, just on every front, the increased support of terrorism, the actions against Saudi Arabia in their eastern province, uh, I know what they're, they're doing with the Houthis in, in, in Yemen. I mean, they're instigating and, and supporting, and now the feeling is that Saudi, they will be a victor if Saudi Arabia if uh, sorry, if Assad uh, survives. You know, this was the 30th anniversary of the bombings in Lebanon mm. that took 241 U.S. servicemen. Right. The guy who, who executed the order on this is the new defense minister of Iran, Brigadier General Hossein uh, Dakhnyan, I think his name was. He was the commander of the IRGC in Lebanon at the time of the bombings. And this the guy was defense minister, and we're told that this is a more moderate regime?
0: Reason enough for the U.S. to continue having nothing to do with Iran. I don't have a uh, I don't have a um, a credit on this story, so I'll have, I'll first have to ask you if it's true what the senior Israeli official said, and then if it is, you'll tell us why on earth he would say this publicly. A senior Israeli official says the country will announce new plans for West Bank settlement construction in the coming months. Thursday's statement comes a day after Prime Minister Netanyahu held a lengthy meeting in Rome with Secretary of State Kerry. The two discussed the status of recently restarted peace talk so if in fact it's true it's something that maybe would have been better to keep quiet at this time
9: you know that's a contradiction in terms israeli <laughs> minister keeping quiet
8: <laughs> <clears throat>
9: actually the prime minister has kept pretty good discipline and what they're talking about is that there's going to be an announcement of another release of uh, prisoners and at, at the same time there will be announcement of tenders for construction remember construction in jerusalem for instance has been frozen right and so this would be about tenders this is not about construction actual construction it's just the beginning of the process which can last for years and it's meant i guess to offset or soften the blow of the release of the prisoners uh... and the release the statement now may have been because of the discussions in rome or the feeling that uh... kerry was is putting on pressure or something which there's no evidence yet we don't have the reports to indicate that that's true uh, clearly, there are differences between the United States and Israel, but on many of the issues, on many of the bridging proposals, we understand that there is uh, a mutual understanding, at least. Is, now, on other issues, there isn't.
0: Is there a um, is there a strong opposition in the Israeli government cabinet Knesset uh, to this type of uh, of prisoner release? I mean, are we going to see the type of outrage we saw last time? Uh, when Israel decided to uh, release prisoners,
9: I don't know if you have the same outrage uh, within the government as you had last time, because the agreement was voted. But are there people there who strongly oppose it? Certainly, and they have made themselves very vocal on it.
0: Yeah, but it's, uh, right, but it needs to be a large group for it to become like a national issue at this point, right? Otherwise, it will just. I mean, base... There is
9: national opposition, and especially because of the uptick in in some of the violence on the West Bank uh, with the attacks. And uh, the debate now is that are they coordinated, are they not coordinated? Some say it's the acts of individuals, some of the security agencies, say, or other people assert uh, otherwise. Um, so that adds to the concern and some of the recidivism that Israel's already had to deal with guys who were released uh, earlier. Um, so it, it's always subject to debate.
0: How long was the Kerry meeting with Netanyahu? Seven hours. And there was nobody from the PA there, Correct. So, I mean, the content of that meeting is Netanyahu saying to Kerry how many times that he doesn't have a reliable peace partner and that he's made every overture possible to try to get to the peace table. I mean, I think he stutters. I, it must be because I just I, I, how many I don't know how many more times the leader of Israel can convey to the secretary of state that until there is some type of direct negotiations and trying to work out a compromise, you know, Israel can't go any further with what they've offered at this point.
9: Well, there are proposals about bridging uh, proposals. There's a lot of concern that Abbas is under dual pressures. One is from those who don't want to see him move in the process, and internally it is unpopular in, in amongst a lot of the Palestinians. And on the other hand, he knows that he loses whatever little international support they have, uh, and that uh, you know he, he doesn't want to be the guy to make concessions on the one hand. But on the other hand, he knows that if in fact, the talks break down. He says it will lead to an intifada, but the intifada won't be just against Israel. It's going to be against him. So he has uh, an incentive, essentially, to to be part of the process and to continue the negotiations. But the constant threats of pulling out, in fact, backfire because it creates additional pressure uh, within uh, the Palestinian Authority. So you see the talk now of demanding that he appoint uh, successor, and what I said about his flirtations with uh, with Assad, these are not coming out of positions of uh, of strength. And uh, Hamas, obviously, has been very weakened. Uh, so the, the, the discussions, I think, in this regard, deal with bridging proposals, mm. coming up with ideas, let's say, to deal with the issue that's been very public of Israeli troops along the Jordan uh, border, right. which Jordan insists on, too.
0: Can I give you some good news?
9: That would be nice. Yes, yeah, give us good
0: news. Seventy-three-year-old Tom Jones tomorrow night and Monday night in Israel, and you know why this is significant. He was under tremendous pressure not to perform in Israel,
9: and many and several others also who are who have decided to go. But Tom Jones uh, was one. There's another woman singer. I, unfortunately, I'm not that familiar with him, uh, but it means a lot to the Israelis, and it means a lot. But we see that this campaign of, of boycotts is expanding again. There are a lot of pressures from the Pink Floyd type guys uh, um, who are are campaigning to to keep people out of Israel, to to boycott uh, Israel. The BDS movement, which we've talked about for a long time, and I know people still don't necessarily take uh, take seriously, continues to grow. It is a serious matter.
0: Let's tweet that out, guys. Malcolm's reference to the Pink Floyd type guys—I like that.
9: <laughs> uh, and, What's his name? Waters. And anybody,
0: anybody out there who—I uh, don't
9: remember if it's Pink Waters or Pink Floyd. Or, <laughs> which, I mean, his name is Waters. Roger Waters, maybe. Roger Waters. Could that, could
0: right. that be Malcolm? That's who it uh, is. <laughs> I knew the, that it was something. And like by that. the way, everybody, if, don't bother Malcolm for Tom Jones tickets. He already told me he has none, so he cannot help you with that. A good idea or a bad idea, Malcolm Holline, for a uh, major uh, Jewish philanthropist to offer advice about dropping an atomic bomb on Iran?
9: Well, unfortunately, it 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 gets you know distorted. Uh, he, he made the comment about what what he was essentially send, saying is send a signal that we're tough, we mean business. I don't think he necessarily meant it literally. Um, and say, you know, he didn't. He said, send it into a, a desert area, not into a populated. He didn't say bomb Tehran. He right. said, send a nuclear bomb there and say to them, guys, you either negotiate with us because the feeling on a lot of parts, and we hear it, you know, in the Arab world, uh, which has come in Israel seem to be on the same page on, on a lot of this stuff, that that the uh, that you have to send a tough message and messages of weakness if they don't believe the 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 military threat is credible. So I think that that he, he 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 didn't mean it literally.
0: Yeah, and by the way, just and to his credit, as you say, he uh, spoke about doing it in an area where no civilians would be hurt. And I think that uh, you know the, the the point was made. It may have been exaggerated a bit on purpose, but, yeah, the but there were people who
9: want to exploit him. And well, his, these days, these right days,
0: away. these days, it's six yeah. words that get publicity. You know, you, no, nobody's looking for explanations or you know. Or Rashi about different statements. You know, you 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 make the quote, and that's what happens. And by the way, again, n- nothing against uh, uh, Mr. Adelson. I think what what you said is is correct. But all of us need to learn a lesson that it, it's those little sound bites now they're going to make news. You got to be really careful about having things being taken out of context.
9: And he's not a political analyst or a political leader. He he. But again, even though his words shouldn't shouldn't be weighed in that same way as you think of somebody who's, uh, you know, responsible for policy on this. You're absolutely right. People have to be careful and and things get taken out of context or, you know, you got to know about what the consequences of what you say will be.
0: Egypt is looking to Russia to supply it with arms now that the U.S. has frozen much of its military aid to the Egyptians. Uh, First of all, you would not have made that recommendation. I think we've determined that in previous weeks. You're not sure it was the smartest thing to
9: cut aid to egypt from the u.s and i warned that they would go to russia if you remember right
0: so now Russia's going to are they in fact going to come in and be the savior for them
9: they could well i mean i don't believe that egypt wants to go back to using russian weapons and having to transform you know mm. the systems and it's hard to integrate russian and american uh... weapons but and, and things that we've held off on so helicopters they might but uh, start uh, with russian migs again it's not such an easy thing, but I think the threat is credible. And what I heard also is that Al sisi has talked about helping to bridge the gaps between Saudi Arabia and and Russia. That there seems to be some tension between them, but that they they're finding common interest in the vacuum that's been created, or in the animosities that have been created. I think the, it is a mistake for us to cut stuff to Egypt now when they're fighting Al Qaeda in Gaza and they're fighting, they're trying to limit Hamas's operations. In, in, in Gaza, rather, and, and uh, al-Qaeda in the Sinai, uh, facing real challenges. It doesn't mean we shouldn't press for human rights and all the other things that we should be uh, dealing with, but I think it's like compounding the mistake we made with Mubarak, with how we handled Mubarak, and it, it's what leads Saudi Arabia to, to the conclusions that it reached and why it, it made right. this demonstrative act of not going to the Security Council, which is against as much a message to the U.S., as against the UN over Syria and Iranian policy,
0: and doesn't make any headlines here, and it's such an important story.
9: And, and remember, this, they were elected. This is not something that was that day's decision, right? And they had been. They had people here at Columbia University for three months training for this. They, they, you know, it's a big deal. And the Arabs have this seat designated, and they rotate between the North African Arabs and uh, Morocco had it last, so it goes to the Asian Arabs which is, you know, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Qatar, UAE, Jordan. And I don't know who will take it. It could be that uh, Kuwait will take it or Qatar, which is certainly not better for us.
0: And finally, I I hope that our listeners took our advice last week and saw some and looked and researched and saw some of the photos of the enemy's tunnels that Hamas is responsible for in the Gaza area, Uh, the, the, the... the professionalism, the, the engineering that went into it, the time that was spent building them. I mean, for God's sake, you put those tunnels in Manhattan, you know what kind of real estate price you can get for them,
9: the way they look? It's 1.8 kilometers. It took a year and a half, 20, uh, 800 tons of concrete. Tens of thousands of, of slabs of concrete. The whole roof, everything was covered, was was tiled. There was electricity, telephone, other stuff.
0: Air conditioning, right?
9: And uh, 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 maybe at the beginning, I don't think that the whole thing was air conditioned, but they have wind uh, blowing in it. Right. The they it was clearly meant to, to kidnap soldiers and. We don't know how many more. They just, in fact, found an extension of a tunnel they discovered last November.
0: I mean, Mayor Weingarten told with me. Explosives. Mayor told me that it was built for two men across. That there was enough room for for two way traffic.
9: You could bring a battalion <laughs> through this uh, through this tunnel. The um, and the, the seriousness of it should never be underestimated, and the difficulty in detecting them. This was very far down, and so the surface detectors. You know, detection systems may not have worked on it, and uh, it, it is very serious. And it shows you that Hamas, which complains about not having enough concrete for their people, Israel is in fact the lifeline for for uh, Gaza today because Egypt closed it off. They food comes from Israel, and and yet they engage in this kind of activity, are proud of it, and say that they're going to start working on others. And the the uh, uh, weakness of Hamas today, their financial and other things, doesn't stop them from making this the priority over feeding their people and doing what they should be doing. All All right. Those who put pressure on Israel and make all these demands. Think about
0: that. Malcolm, this conversation will continue, please God, next week. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful show. It'll Shabbos. be
9: all good news next week. Please. I hope so. Everything will be all good. We're
0: begging you. We're begging you. You have no idea. The listeners want to hear good news.
9: is so, <laughs> watching us this Shabbos, so it'll be good.
0: There you go. Nice Vart. I like it. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents a Major American Jewish organizations, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, around the world on the web, jmandtheam.org. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden.
10: Good morning, Nachum. Good day of Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parsha's Chayei Note that the Parsha deals with the passing and death of Sarah, and it is called Chayei literally, the life of Sarah. Similarly, the last Parsha in the book of Barashas is Vayechi, and Yaakov lived, and it deals with the death and passing of Yaakov. Interestingly, showing us that in our belief, when one pass is on, they still live on. It's a transition from one world to another. Sarah Imenu still lives. Chayei Sarah. Now the parsha can be conveniently divided into three parts. The first part deals with the acquisition of a burial plot for Sarah. And even though Avraham is offered by B'nai Chais the choicest plot in their cemetery, Avraham teaches future generations for all times the concept of Kever Yisrael, that the Jew is to be buried in a Jewish cemetery. The middle of the parsha, 67 psukim, deals with the acquisition of a bride for Yitzchak, and what to look for in a shidduch. The mitzvah of marriage is found later on in the Torah, in the fifth book Ke'ikach Ish Isha however the Torah gives such explicit detail and repeats itself again this entire narrative to show us what to look for in a spouse because ultimately people can be categorized in one of two ways either givers or takers. And Eliezer, Eved Avraham, teaches us to look for a giver, to look for chesed, as we'll discuss in a moment. And the end of the parasha deals with the burial of Avraham, who passes on and we're informed that just as last week, at the beginning of the parasha, Hashem visits Avraham, teaching us the mitzvah of Bikr Cholim, at the end of the parasha, Hashem comforts Yitzchak, teaching us the concept of Nicham Avelim, comforting the mourners. I'd like to focus on the familiar narrative of Rifka. Terem, as the Torah tells us, daber, before Eliezer has a chance to conclude his stipulation with God and the girl that will respond in the affirmative and offer me a drink and offer to draw and drink all my camels, that's the one for Yitzchak. He hadn't finished speaking yet and Rivka comes forth and she fits the bill. I'd like to ask just one question. The Torah tells us literally he, Eliezer, was astonished at her. Incredible however old she is even if we assume that she's a teenage girl to literally draw and give to drink ten camels, is an amazing challenge and difficult feat. Why chesed in the extreme? Last week, as well, Avram Avinu, he had every excuse not to extend chesed, and he does, but he doesn't give them simply coffee and Danish He whips the entire household into such activity and makes a barbecue and has Sarah literally bake them a cake. What's going on here? Why chesed in the extreme? And I'd like to suggest the following answer. We have to take a step back and look earlier in the book of Bereshavu. Going back to the days of Noah, and God destroys the world because there's a breakdown of man to man. There's thievery. There's immorality. And so God saves eight human beings, Noach and his wife, his three sons and their wives. And miraculously, all the animals, all the birds fit into the ark remember the teaching of the Ramban that in accordance with the natural order of things ten arks could not house all the animals all the food for a year's time the waters were boiling, scalding that it doesn't literally tear apart the ark there are so many miracles and yet, what does the Talmud teach us? in the Gemara Sanhedrin, that when Avram Avinu meets Shem ben Noach and Avram asks him what was it like during the year in the ark? Shame tells him it was miserable. It was horrific. What does that mean? It means that we were kept busy 24-7. We were feeding the animals because those that fed by day were not fed by night and vice versa. Literally 24-7. Now you have to ask yourself one day basic question. If there were so many miracles going on, in the ark couldn't there be one additional miracle of an automatic feeder and so once a day noah would go around put food in the automatic feeder and the rest would happen by itself couldn't hashem perform that miracle and of course he could but the answer is hashem was creating a new world order through noah and this world order had to be established with chesed and so noah and his sons they in Day out were laying the foundation for this new world, and therefore there had to be this foundation of Chesed, as we are taught in Tehilim Olam. Chesed yibodeh, the world is built on chesed, on kindness. And so now, let's look a little differently at Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu. is literally building a new world order called the Jewish nation. And therefore, this has to be built on chesed. And it's not simply chesed, once again it is what you would call chesed in the extreme what Avram does last week and now with the absence of Sarah who dies and we need to have someone fill her shoes we need someone as well who's not only going to yes I'll give you some water but Gam I will also what? provide water for all the camels as she too is laying the foundation for Klael Yisrael. And when you start a world order by Noah, you need very simply to have a strong and firm foundation. And therefore, let us now proceed. The Mishnah tells us in Sanhedrin, that each person is to understand and realize Bishvili olam. each person is to say that literally the world is created for you that you are the world and therefore you have to lay the foundation, each and every one of us, for their world. You have to be the Avram Avinu of your world. And you too have to be and can be the Rivka Imenu of your world. And especially when you're establishing something, it has to be in the best way possible. The Tz Hashem. In a little more than a month, we're going to have the privilege of celebrating the holiday of Hanukkah Hanukkah what happened wow they found that one jar of pure oil and as we know miraculously it lasted for eight days hence our celebration of the eight days of Hanukkah now I ask you everybody knows or should know Tumahutra Betzibur what does that mean that if you don't have pure oil you can use impure oil And so who needed the whole miracle in the first place? So one of the answers that's given, and this is given by the Chachma Shlomo, is as follows. When you have a functioning Beis Hamikdash, and one day you don't have pure oil, by all means you can use the impure oil. But to start up the Beis Hamikdash, because it had been shut down by the Greeks, for that, you need a greater, stronger foundation. And so, this is what each and every one of us has to realize. That we want to know Tov Achriz Dovar, if the end is going to be good, you have to judge it, me from the foundation. And therefore, Each person is a world unto themselves. And I'm going to show you that each person is a world unto themselves. The Rambam writes in the Laws of Ishus, chapter 15, Halakha 16. Listen to this incredible language of the Rambam. Even though a person has fulfilled the mitzvah of pruvu, he has a son, he has a daughter. he's still obligated. sofrim from the rabbis, he should not desist and stop. velirbos of having more children, as long as he has the strength and the potential to so do. Why? Shakola nefesh achas because each and every Every time you bring another soul into this world, kilubana olam, as if it is as if you built another world. Wow! You have to realize, and if each and every person says to themselves, "My goodness, how can I be like Avram? How can I?" be like Rivka the answer is open your eyes hashem gives us the opportunity every day to be like the avos that's what our rabbis teach us a person is supposed to say asai when will my actions come close to come close to those of my antecedents that came before me now there's no question about it that we ought to realize, wow that they were on such a greater level but listen carefully, what is marriage my friends, if not the opportunity for constant chesed that you have the opportunity on a constant basis to do kindness for one's spouse constantly. What are children, if not a constant opportunity for chesed? Meaning, literally from the time that they are infants and they need our attention every moment, etc. And then as the children progress and mature, the type of chesed that they need changes. But there is that constant need for chesed that one can and should extend their children. And, even in your business, on your job. Don't look at it simply as an opportunity to make money, but your job as well. Very often if you're in service, even if you're a salesperson, wonderful, I have the opportunity to help people. Use this as an opportunity to literally uplift the mundane and to realize that you have this opportunity for chesed. And next... It's not simply what I could do for the next person. But ultimately, this becomes your foundation. If each and every one of us is a world unto themselves, then you become nivne. You become built through the chesed that you extend. This is your foundation. And interestingly, Harav Gedalia Eisman, of Racha, who was the mashkiach with the Yeshiva of the late Rav Shlomo Zalman Orbach Zatzal Yeshivas Kol Torah. He asked, "Why is there such a mitzvah to be mesameach the chosim and, and he answered very interestingly, because we know that ish Isha, the chosim ve'kala shechina b'neihem. God's presence is amongst them. And the Gemara in Shabbos, that lamid Amid Beis teaches, the ena Shechina Shorah, the Shechina, Divine Presence, comes only mitok simcha mitzvah, through the joy of a mitzvah. And therefore, the more joy, the war we are, the more shchina for the Chassan and Kala. Wow! An interesting, different way. The next time you go to a wedding and you're tired, you don't feel like dancing, ah, do that chesed because you are bringing the shekhinah down. But understand that what is true regarding the chesed and kala, our extending chesed, ultimately, remember, who is the greatest beneficiary of the chesed? It's not what you think. The next one, it's you yourself. That this is what builds your character. This is what made Avraham Avinu, the very special father that he was. This is what made Gretzha Imenu, the very special patriarch that she was. And this is, please God, what fortifies each and every personal world of ours. Shabbat Shalom to all.
0: Shame in the a.m. after those inspiring words about our mothers and fathers on this Erev Shabbos Chayi Sara. And I thank Rabbi Yudin for that. We get to do what we promised, and that is here from the holy city of Hebron. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Chayi Sara. I always wish that on a uh, on an Erev Shabbos Chayi Sara I'm in Chevron speaking with you, but today I'm in New Jersey this time around. But thank God we have a friend in Chevron who's checking in. To let us know what the scene is like, what's happening, how things are as we get closer and closer to the start of Shabbat Chayesar. Rabbi Dan Rosenstein is with us live via telephone. He is executive director of the Chevron Fund. Rabbi Rosenstein, welcome to JM in the AM.
11: Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be here, Nachum. I'm uh, not doing anything; just uh, hanging out.
0: I can imagine it's the best thing to do, Erev Shabbos. So as you hang out, I would bet you're seeing thousands of people streaming into the city, people young and old finding a place where they could pitch a tent or find a corner where they'll be able to sleep. Uh, I'm sure you're finding a lot of folks who are coming in from so many different areas, including the United States, to spend Shabbos in Chavron.
11: Yeah look our, our guests our guests are not in uh, are not in the tents uh, the <laughs> tents are all over we have beautiful weather it's uh i don't know probably upper 70s low 80s a nice cool breeze um and uh, yeah the tents all over the parking spots that i normally park in are are taken even uh even the parking spot up by Marato octave that they usually uh the Chayalim usually let me go through because of all the stuff that we do for them they they recognize me even even today I couldn't get through over there <laughs> um, but uh Bar Hashem is uh we're expecting over twenty thousand people um our program for the hebron fund uh, uh, was closed out uh, on wednesday already uh, and uh and it's uh, you know we have hundreds of people tonight for dinner we have uh, we have a uh, we're also also uh for those that are from Tenic we also have a uh a special bar mitzvah the boy uh boy is landing Parshas in marat maclewa wow amazing
0: that? Nah, that is that is a unique simcha to say the least
11: yeah 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 special shout out to John O. rosen from tenek uh we have for him a special uh, spot in marat and uh and all his guests and friends from uh from all over are going to be there so but, that's great and then also as far another jersey connection we have here um, a group, uh, in addition to all of the people that came from the States, we also have a group of uh, TABC alumni uh, under the leadership of Arthur Palayoff who um, who come with us uh, every year to add to the Ruach. These are boys that are learning in all yeshivos uh, around Israel. And, um, in fact, I have one right here. Maybe we'll put him on. What, what, is, about that?
0: what is this young man's name?
11: This is uh, Gavi Srego.
0: Hey, Gavi, Gavi where is? Let me speak to him for so, a minute.
11: Okay, hold on. I'm passing the
0: phone. Hold on. Hello? Hey, Gavi, how are you?
11: I'm doing great. How are you? Where are you from?
0: Are you from Teaneck? I am from Teaneck. Uh, so where are you spending the year in Israel?
11: I'm currently in Karembiavna.
0: Very nice. And spending Shabbos in Hebron, huh?
11: Yeah, it's very exciting to be here, to have a reunion with the guys from my high school, to come for partial tomorrow is really uh, something I would never pass up.
0: Well, I heard from the Siegel boys yesterday that Mr. Palayoff was not in school. And, of course, the whole world knows that if it's Thursday of Chayisar, he's already on his way to Hebron. You know that, right?
11: Yes, <laughs> he, he packs out every year to come spend the Shabbos with us. It's really special to have him here.
0: And the alumni are coming from everywhere. I would assume you have uh, classmates uh, from all over Israel, all the different yeshivas, who are gathering together this Shabbos
11: we picked up some of the guys who are studying in Gush on the way up to Hebron, <laughs> and we have Shalvin, coming out there, and I all different issues. Everyone coming together—it's really great.
0: Everybody's reuniting. Well, you want to give a—you want to give a Shabbat Shalom to your family back here.
11: <laughs> I'm wishing a, a good Shabbat to everyone who's listening right now, to my parents, to anyone else who's listening, Jim and am. Have a great
0: Shabbos. We know you're going to have a great Shabbos. Thank you, Gavi. Rabbi Dan Rosenstein is with us via telephone. He is the executive director of the Chevron Fund. Rabbi Rosenstein, have a lot of uh, have a lot of parents taken advantage of your offer? that they go to Israel and they bring along their son or daughter who's in Israel with them for this Shabbos? See there, Rabbi Rosenstein.
11: Uh yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm sorry. Mr.
0: Yeah, my question was if a lot of people took advantage of your offer. They go to Israel and bring along their son or daughter who's studying in Israel to Hebron for Shabbos. Uh,
11: it's a great opportunity for uh, for uh, for bonding and uh, and what could be better than being here in Hebron?
0: No question about it. That's why I'm glad people do it and they bring their kids along. I miss it. I'll tell you that I much. I miss no, it. It's-
11: now I'm going to say on the air, I don't know that we can wait until next year, Chai I think we have to see you here uh, before
0: that. Oh, Bezrat Hashem, nothing like Chevron, whether it's a Shabbos or a weekday. We continue to recommend to our listeners to make it a very important stop on their itinerary whenever they head to the Holy Land. Chevron Fund information, folks. You won't reach them in the office today. That's quite obvious, but you'll certainly be able to speak with them next week and to get information about their $100,000 raffle that they're offering right now. It's on the website, plus you can call the office. 718 at 718-677-6886, 718-677-6886. Dan, according to my estimate, what are you about ninety minutes away from candle lighting? Does that make sense?
11: We got a we got a candle lighting time of uh, five thirty six p.m. Israel time. That's ten thirty six by you. All
0: right, there you go. So a little bit more, a little bit under two hours, and I'm sure the excitement is building. Is there enough room for all the buses, all the cars, all the streams of people? that are coming in to enjoy an Erev Shabbos first and then Shabbos in Hebron?
11: Yeah, I can remember that far back. We always used to say, there's always room for one more. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I think someone is sleeping in uh, Rav Simcha uh, bathtub. <laughs> yeah, well, uh,
0: that, by the way, that would be considered a good accommodation for this Shabbos.
8: <laughs> <laughs> indoors, sure. <laughs> exactly, indoors, sure. you're indoors. By the way, I
11: also wanted to give a shout-out uh, to Chicago, to the uh, Hillel Torah Woo! school, to the yeshiva there. They they did something unique that we've that we've never done before. They got the, they got the school involved. The kids made pictures and thank you letters for the chayalim. Nice. So when we walk down into into Chevron, uh, we're going to hand out those pictures to the chayalim to give them inspiration. Uh, you know for protect for protecting everyone. Very nice. So, uh, you know thank you, thank you to Hill of Torah.
0: Hey Rabbi Rosenstein. Best regards to our mothers and fathers in Chevron.
11: Ooh ah. <laughs> yeah, it all starts here, right? You can't have uh, can't have a building without the foundation. You can't uh, continue the Jewish people without uh, reflecting on uh, the the avot and the imahot. That's yeah. for sure.
0: The Jewish history certainly uh, it, it certainly is a, an important place when we talk about our history. Enjoy Shabbat. Best regards to the entire group. Send Ofer my best
11: and have, uh, yeah. and have yeah, a
0: yeah. have a wonderful Shabbat, Chevron.
11: All right, will too. Thanks, Malcolm. Regards to everyone.
0: Rabbi Dan Rosenstein is executive director of the Havron Fund. He's there. He's on the spot. It is an amazing scene, and it's an incredible place to be. Shabbos is amazing. Erev Shabbos has its own incredible feeling as you're watching everybody stream into the city. Uh, it's it's really remarkable. It's really remarkable. Uh, Shabbat Shalom, everybody in Chevron. We'll be thinking of you. During Kabbalah Shabbos tonight, I guarantee you there will be hundreds, if not thousands, of people on this side of the world wishing they were uh, davening in the Mara. Candlelighting 541, Friday morning, it's JM in the AM. Avreimol with Chevron Shali here on a Friday morning. Yes, yes, yes. If you've ever been there in Chevron on uh, Chaiyisar, you know exactly what I mean. It is remarkable; just a great experience. And if your kids are there this weekend, then uh, Kala Kavod to you for the influence you've had that they would uh, want to spend some of their spare time, some of their break, some of their free Shabbatot in Chevron. JM in the AM with candle lighting at 541 on this era of Shabbos. Mostly sunny with a high 55. Good weather for the weekend, it looks like. Don't forget, tomorrow night, executive assistant Avrami with Saturday Night Seagull starting at 10 p.m. Eastern time on the stream. Brand new program, jmintheam.org, meaning a brand new episode, brand new edition. Matas has JM Sunday beginning at 7 o'clock Sunday morning or by Steve Berg on his recent trip to Rome. He was with a delegation that uh, went to visit the Pope. Uh, Rabbi Steve Berger the Wiesenthal Center in Manhattan will join Mattis this coming Sunday during J.M. Sunday, 7 until 9 on the stream. Naomi Nachman follows me. She's five minutes away on our stream with Table for Two. She'll share her interviews with the staff at the Herzog Winery in Oxnard, California. Mati Herzog, Joe Herleman, uh, Marketing Director David Whitmore, Chef Gabe Garcia will all be uh, joining um We'll all be joining uh, uh, Naomi Nachman in conversation coming up between 9 and 10 Eastern time on the stream, just five minutes from now at jmnam.org. She'll also be joined in the studio by certified health coach Shari Marks coming up with Naomi Nachman. And the stream goes all day long with an amazing Erev Shabbos music mix. Make sure you're tuned in all day long on the stream. There's no better way to prepare. On an Arab Shabbos. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listened to WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world in the web, jmnam.org. And that closes out another great week here at jmnam Naomi Nachman is next. Table for two. Great show on our stream at jmnam.org. A big shout-out to our friends at Kedem who I hope are tuned in this morning. I know folks are going to be tuned all day long to the Arab of Shabbos music mix all the way until candle lighting time. It's the best way to prepare for Shabbos. Saturday night, Siegel, tomorrow night, Matis on JM Sunday, starting at 7 o'clock Eastern Time Sunday morning. Just so much going on. It's amazing. Spread the word, everybody. Follow us on Facebook, Jewish Radio World, with Nahum Siegel, on Twitter, at net Have a fabulous Shabbos, a great weekend. Enjoy Shabbat Chayei Sara. Until next time, Malcolm Sigal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.